Right around here along the Juan River where the railroad tracks and the steel mill are now, this is where General Edward Braddock and his men were wiped out by the French and Indians back in 1755. A young officer by the name of George Washington witnessed the slaughter and realized that the British were not invincible. A lot of Braddock residents are convinced it was then and there, right here in Braddock, that George Washington got the idea for the American Revolution. So as you enter Braddock, there's a monument. It used to have a bronze plaque that read where our nation's liberty was conceived. But someone stole the plaque. Now as you enter the town, a sign says, Welcome to Braddock, odor control capital of the world, courtesy of a local air freshener company. When I was a kid, that sign used to read, Welcome to Braddock, Valley's greatest shopping center. You might already know a little something about Braddock if you've seen any of my movies. belongs to the people. It don't belong to the multinationals. Or you might have read about Braddock in the 1941 novel, Out of His Furnace. How about Slovak immigrants who came to work at the Edgar Thompson plant? So the mills came to Braddock, stripping the hills bare of vegetation, poisoning the river, blackening heaven and earth and the lungs of the workers who were in the beginning mostly American and English. That's Dave Demarest. He teaches in the English department at Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh. He had out of this furnace republished back in the 70s. These days, Dave likes to take his dog, Molly McGuire, up to the Mont Cemetery in the hills above Braddock and mingle with the past. This is a worker cemetery, and, and you're really seeing a kind of record of the history of the uh, different ethnic groups that lived and worked in the town. Uh, you start at the lower level, uh, the earlier stones that uh, are kind of German and uh, Anglo and uh, Irish and so on. As you move up the hill, you get much more into a uh, Eastern European, particularly Slovak. We're standing here about halfway up the hillside in a Slovak uh, section of the cemetery. And you sort of have the feeling when you stand up here that it's these heights, kind of, these beautiful hills that uh, for an earlier generation of people uh, uh, in, in this area, they, they couldn't really afford to live in. My parents and I have always lived in Lower Braddock, on the other side of the tracks. I'm uh, Mrs. Edward Buba, Angie Buba. I'm the mother of Tony and Pasquale. I have two sons. My mom was born um, in Italy. Uh, I was born in Family arrived in Braddock when she was eight years old, along with the Depression. When, when we came here in 29, the things were bad. But we had every store from one end of Braddock to another. The stores were all there. Grocery stores, furniture stores, three movies, uh, anything, a lot of dress shops, hat shops, shoe shops. We had everything, everything under the sun. And it was great. My dad had a business on Braddock Avenue at a shoemaker shop. And every Saturday night would sit there in front of the shop and watch the people, just like a parade going up and down. You couldn't. You, you had to go out in the street to walk because there were so many people shopping, coming from everywhere to shop in Braddock. But through the years, people moved away, people have died, and it just, it just got bad. But I still like it. I, it's home. It's home, no matter how bad it is, it's home. <laughs> so. This is the Plaza Restaurant. 
a hangout for old-timers and assorted characters. There's a lot of history here. My name is Joe Abbey, former professional wrestler, and now engaged in a repossession service of uh, repossessing automobiles. I do locksmith work, investigations, and that's about it. I wrestled under the Red Demon in the WWF for 20 years. Has that helped you with your uh, repossessing? Well, it gave me a little bit of a name, but people didn't recognize who I was because I was always hooded. My name is Jim Roy. I'm from Braddock. I was in business in Braddock for over 34 years. I'm now in the process to try and catch up to catch up with Tony Booba. I'm trying to produce a movie. And we already wrote a book. The title of the book is Proof Your Mind is God. And we're waiting on it to be published. So the publishing companies now. And I expect this book to be a bestseller. And the reason why is that it tells the truth about uh, why people succeed and why people fail. Jimmy Roy should know, over the years he started up more than a dozen entrepreneurial ventures in Braddock, including a drive-in used furniture store and car lot. They all went under. He and his partner, Dave Spear, even tried something called mind power. We established a mind power school, which didn't last very long, because he went into the uh, crystal business. So that severed our relationship there. You had a singing group with him, too. Yes. The group was Jay Roy and the Optimist. We used to uh, be booked at the backyard in Braddock, and we had a wonderful time down there until uh, we lost our main singer, Miss Hunsaker. Uh, we don't know where she went to. My name is George Stupaki, part owner of this Plaza restaurant. Like characters coming into this restaurant ever since I was a kid. Yeah, uh, you're right, and I throw you too many times out. <laughs> Good old days, eh? Saturday night, for two o'clock to five o'clock this morning, it was packed. And now it's no more. This valley is dead. And Braddock, once the valley's greatest shopping center, is now Demolition Alley. Braddock Avenue has been nicknamed Plywood Avenue. A string of boarded up stores, empty lots, and abandoned shells. Places like Sadowski Brothers Toy Store, where we used to get most of our Christmas presents from. It's just everything's totally collapsed. Imagine I'll be tearing the building down sooner or later. There's no roof left, there's nothing left in there. Can't even walk in because you just might get crushed. And if you walk by in the summer, then you get the, that fresh smell of like burnt wood that comes through <laughs> an abandoned building. Also gone are the movie houses, the Paramount, the Capitol, the Times, Fat Willie's Pool Room, Isley's, home of the skyscraper ice cream cone. With the tearing down is the old Coney Island hot dog shop was open 24 hours. And you would come up here like on, you know, uh, Weekend nights, like during school nights, and you're up here at two in the morning and just hanging out on the on the street corner. There's always something going on with people coming back from the bars and getting some hot dogs in Coney Island. We were unique. We we were unique to, you know, this area. We were unique to the state. I think we were unique to the country. That's Millie Devich, president of the Braddock Borough Council. She believes in God, country, and Braddock. We were very giving. We were very caring. You had that, hello, good morning, good afternoon. 
You see a Catholic priest even though you weren't Catholic. Good morning, Father. You'd see a black minister. Good morning, Pastor. I mean, you had that respect. How do you think that got lost? Well, my personal firm belief is that when God left the heart and he left the home, he left the soul, he left the person, and they became the God. So as a result, they couldn't communicate because when you become the great I am and look out for yourself and you're number one, what can you do to make this a better community? I don't know if God ever left Braddock. I do know that the ceramic angels next to the Madonna statue in our backyard disappeared one Christmas. Some people think they were stolen, but I always told my grandma that they ascended into heaven. And a lot of other things have left. Long before the recession, businesses started moving out to the suburban malls, so shoppers stopped coming to Braddock. Some of the people who worked in the steel mills could afford to move up the hill and out of Braddock. Then the layoffs hit. Braddock's population, more than 20,000 in the 1950s, is down to 4,600. It all happened so gradually, nobody seemed to notice. Or if they did notice, no one did anything to stop it. There wasn't a plan and there wasn't a vision and a foresight for the future, so as a result, as the years went on, then a town started slowly deteriorating, deteriorating, deteriorating. Jimmy Roy, who now sells gold jewelry out of the Plaza restaurant, as he waits for his book and movie deals to come through, has a slightly different theory as to why Braddock went downhill. I tried to bet and invest every dime I had to revitalize Braddock, but from the lack of cooperation and the pessimistic thinking that permeated some of the businessmen and some of the so-called leaders and politicians of Braddock, I could not get any cooperation. Therefore, the negative thinking that permeated Braddock destroyed it. It was the negative thinking that destroyed Braddock. One theory I have is that consumerism, the keystone to our economy, had something to do with Braddock's decline. We have disposable cups, disposable diapers, disposable appliances, but why not disposable towns? In the 50s and 60s, there was white flight. African Americans moved in and some whites moved out so fast they didn't even take their Madonnas with them. When the malls went up, businesses abandoned Braddock, and when the steel industry declined, long-time workers were laid off, discarded. Loyalty was never a factor. This fall, 270 jobs were eliminated here at Edgar Thompson when a new automated continuous caster was installed. The caster takes molten steel, shapes it into continuous slabs. USX says this $250 million machine saved the mill from closing up altogether. Well, I'm Thomas Farrell, and I'm Director of Public Affairs for the U.S. Steel Group, which is a unit of USX Corporation. Putting the caster into this plant here in Braddock spells the difference between whether we would continue to make steel in the Pittsburgh area or whether we wouldn't. And really, this plant here in Braddock stands as the last real bastion of carbon steel making in what I would call Pittsburgh proper. If someone who worked at Edgar Thompson around the turn of the century, or even in the 1950s, saw the plant today, he probably wouldn't know where he was. The control room looks like the deck of the Starship Enterprise with banks of computers and TV monitors everywhere. But on this particular day, Captain Kirk and his crew seem to be experiencing some force field problems. A top priority emergency warning sends everyone scrambling. 
Go down the minimum, Caesar. Go down the minimum. Where I'm at. That's where I'm at. Workers in silver spacesuits scurry to clean up the molten steel that's spilled up over the top of a mold. But the operation doesn't stop. The computers rotate huge vats into place to cast the slabs of steel that will eventually be made into refrigerators, washers, dryers, and microwave ovens. Appliances built to wear out and be disposed of. My dad worked at Edgar Thompson for 42 years, a dangerous 42 years, and for my mother, pretty nerve-wracking. One day, I was cleaning some vegetables at the sink, and I turned around, and he was standing under the doorway in the kitchen. And he scared me. I said, God in heaven, what are you doing here now? And he says, there was a bad accident in the mill. The guy in front of him was killed. He says, something just went over his head, and but the fellow in front of him, he saw the guy get, getting killed. But every day I prayed that the good Lord would send him home safe. How you feeling? Well, a little bit better now. Pretty good. But I still have that cough, coughing it up. Coal miners get black lung for breathing all the coal dust in the mines. Steel workers get red lung for breathing all the smoke and dust in the mills. The past few months, my dad has been in and out of the hospital with pulmonary problems. I don't know. I had to work in the mill to keep things going. So what else are you going to do then, huh? My dad never wanted me or my brother to work in the mill, and we didn't need much convincing. For a long time, I thought the barbed wire around Edgar Thompson was to keep the workers in. But for others, the mill was like insurance. You could screw up in high school and still get a good-paying job at Edgar Thompson. Now, it's almost impossible to find work at the plant or get a decent-paying job anywhere in the Mon Valley with only a high school education. Of course, there does seem to be quite a bit of work in demolition. This is the Talbot Tires, an abandoned public housing project right across the street from Edgar Thompson. To build Talbot Tires in the 50s, they tore down most of the cramped row houses where the Eastern European and African American mill workers lived. Pretty soon they're going to tear down these buildings, which in the end house mostly low-income African Americans. State and local officials are hoping to bring some light industry to the site, part of a Braddock improvement plan. We caught up with one of those officials, our state representative, Tom McClovick, at Saturday Night Mass at the Good Shepherd Church. Over the long term, the uh, next uh, 10, 20 years, we're going to see uh, the lower portion of Braddock, below Braddock Avenue, uh, and below a new highway, hopefully, that will come through there, be more uh, industrial, light industrial, uh, maybe some commercial. Uh, but the residential down there is eventually going to die out. The residential area Representative McLovick is talking about is populated mostly by African Americans and is where Bethel Baptist Church is located. The longing for Braddock's good old days is not as strong among African Americans. They remember the blatant discrimination in the public schools, in the movie theaters, in housing, and there's a different view here of Braddock's needs today. My name is Phyllis Brown. I'm a lifelong resident of Braddock, and I'd like to be identified as an advocate for the youth and a rebel for the rest. I would like to say 
light industry, sure, to help support the town, but also housing. We have people that had to move from the senior citizens building in Talbot Tires. They didn't live in Braddock all their years. They were in their twilight years. They were uprooted. Today, you know, they come to our church on the bus from Homestead, from Whitaker. I really feel that we, we should have scattered housing. And not only look at the upper part, look down at the lower part too, because this is our home. Yeah, well, I was raised, you know, below the tracks, thing. and nobody's ever really respected the people right. in the lower part. Below the tracks, right? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody is. Actually, if the new highway is built, that may change. There's a good chance the Monville Expressway will cut right through the lower half of town. In which case, I'll have to look for funding for my last film about Braddock. One of the scenes will include a bulldozer demolishing my house. So my idea for improving Braddock keeps the houses intact and puts more of an emphasis on bringing in small retail and wholesale businesses on Braddock Avenue, like Stambolus' poultry shop. How you doing? Okay. There you go. Hey, hey. Hey. How you doing? This is one of the most successful businesses in Braddock. I think they're getting ready to expand. How you doing? Give me your name. Tell me who you That's are. Stambolus from the Stambolus Poultry. Next year will be 40 years here. <laughs> yeah, and uh, things are looking good. You know, they're building a, a Rite Aid drug store across the street, and the, they bought the whole block. And uh, there are a few other places are trying to buy businesses in Braddock now, from what I hear, you know. If they fix that block where they get the guys not loitering on the street, that would be nice corners there, you know. Yeah, it's always been a good corner yeah. for business. Yeah. You remember 30 years ago, 40 years ago, you need you had to walk on the street Saturday night. The sidewalk was jammed. And there are plenty of other people who haven't the, given up on Braddock. The Braddock Housing Task Force buys and fixes up houses for low-income people. Habitat for Humanity is hard at work. The Reverend Oliver Dent tries to get young men off the streets, off drugs, and into jobs. And down at the Carnegie Library, Jeanette Carolina runs after-school programs for kids. When people talk about Braddock, they, they talk as if the, the streets have rolled up, folded up, and the people have gone home forever. There are still people here. My name is Lyda Stell, and I have been with the Braddocksfield Historical Society approximately 12 years. Since 1979, Lyda and other Braddock residents like Dave Solomon and Evelyn Benzo have been restoring the Carnegie Library. It was Andrew Carnegie's first library in America. He built it in 1889, right after he crushed the union at the Edgar Thompson Works. A few years later, Carnegie added a swimming pool, steam baths, bowling alleys, a billiard room, and a spectacular auditorium. This was the main entrance. Of course, it was well lit in those days. But you can see this doorway here, and there's one on the other side. That's where the ticket people were. People from all over the Mon Valley used to pack this auditorium for vaudeville shows, organ recitals, jazz concerts. Lida and others think, with some work, the place can eventually bring the crowds back to Braddock. The acoustics are so great, you don't need any public address system. You can hear in the back of the balcony as well as you can up there. And you can see why we would like to have it done again. I think it would be beautiful. There are other ideas for Braddock. Barbara Red Schwartz has one of the most innovative proposals. The best thing for this town is get a bulldozer and level it off, 
put a racetrack down here, a dog track down the other end, and we'll make all kind of money. That's right. Sell parking. Right? That's it. Oh, damn right. Or maybe Braddock can be made into an industrial theme park. You could put up some shabby row houses without plumbing, some scenery to make the town look like it did when the mills were booming, dump a few tons of pollutants into the air and the river, and hire some actors to play steel workers who've been the victims of industrial accidents. Of course, a new president's coming in who's promised to rebuild America. So we went to Woodland Hills Junior High School to see maintenance man and Braddock mayor, Bucky Napolitano. I've been a mayor for seven and a half years. And it's been a pretty rough seven and a half years. Do you think with uh, the Democrats now with Clinton, it's going to make any difference for Braddock? No, I don't think so. That's not going to, it's not going to trickle down this far into Braddock or even in the county. But uh, he's got a task on his hands right now. He's not going to worry about boroughs like Braddock and North Braddock. And, uh, it's, uh, that's a long way off. What do you see Braddock 10 years from now? Probably the same way it is today. It's not going to change. It's not going to ever come back. Not the way it was. While the mayor isn't exactly bubbling with optimism, back at the Plaza restaurant, Braddock's high priest of positive thinking, Jimmy Roy, says better days for Braddock are just around the corner. I think, uh, really think now, since Bill Clinton got in, the economy is going to change a little, and that'll give us people uh, sort of a, a positive feeling about the future. And uh, not sure when people begin to think positive, they act positive. So I really think it. Uh, I really think Braddock's going to come back, but I think it's going to take another another year, year and a half. I never did have Jimmy's optimism. I see Braddock as a reverse of a David Lynch movie. Lynch goes into little suburban towns with their ranch houses, white picket fences, and chemically sprayed lawns. Then goes behind those ranch houses and finds the decay. In Braddock, the picket fences are not all white, the lawns not chemically sprayed, and beyond those boarded up stores is not decay but a vibrancy. A vibrancy generated by all the people in this community who struggle every day to make their town better. I'm glad my parents stuck around, and that I have stayed and gotten to know the Dave Quicks, the Pat Lewandowskis, the Lynn Edwards, the people who work hard for their families and for their town, a town with a steel mill. I still get a chill when I walk around Braddock and look at that mill, with its beautiful omnipresent plumes, which USX insists are 100% steam, not smoke. Some towns have their mountains, others have their seashore. Braddock has the mill. So if you're ever in the Pittsburgh area, head east. Wind up and down some hills until you see those huge plumes, then drive into Braddock. And if you can see the community behind the plywood, give me a call. We'll go to the library, take a tour of the town, and then go to the plaza for a cup of coffee. The mere idea of you, the longing here for you. You'll never know how slow the moment goes until I am near to you. I see your face in every flower, your eyes in stars above. It's just the thought of you, the very thought of you, my love. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.